Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, and welcome to a day of prayer's morning Bible study. We're glad you can join us and be a part of our family. Before we get into the word, LaCharles, can you open us up in prayer? Yes. Lord, I just thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. I just thank you for giving us this word, Lord, so that way we can learn mistakes from others, Lord. And we don't have to go through and bonk our heads against stuff that other people have already written about and have already told us to be aware of, Lord. Lord, I also just thank you for your enduring grace and mercy to us, Lord, and just keep us close even if we don't hit the mark each time, Lord. Lord, I also just invite your Holy Spirit into our midst, Lord, and just ask that you continue to show us what you have for us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so this morning we're continuing our study in 1 Corinthians. Can I get a volunteer to read from Chapter 6, verse 9 through verse 12, please. I will, honey. All right, honey, honey. Please do. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Our thing, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Okay, as we normally do here, I want to open it up to you guys first. To share what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and ministering to you, that we might also learn and grow. Right? <coughs> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And ask any questions that you may have. So who'd like to begin? I will. <coughs> All right, sir. Go for it. Okay, the Lord was first t talking to me mainly about verse 12, where it said, All things are lawful for me, but but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So the Lord was showing me that when Paul was saying that he was saying that not everything you do is helpful to both your body and your soul and your spirit sorry so he was the Lord showed me that when he said when he said by that when he said that he was that what it means for us is that we should be wary of everything that comes our way like we should be testing the spirits of What's coming our way? Right in First John. Uh, 
first John in first John that I think John wrote this where he where he was talking about that the Lord gives us discernment of spirits. That so Paul's also getting that you should also be continually dis using the gift that the Lord's given to you to discern the spirits. The spirit of what's coming towards you. Amen. Yeah. To be aware, to use the information that God has already provided. He's already taught us and instructed us what things reflect him and what things are contrary to him. Right? Yes. So we should use that information that he's given us and always stay alert to the voice of the Holy Spirit and listen to what further instructions he's guiding us on. Right? Or if yes. something seems unclear, like some things that we see or experience or faced with seem blatantly obvious. It's like, oh, you can pin it right there. You recognize the enemy right away. Other things are more subtle that you are not quite sure initially if it was something right or wrong, something bad or good, something um, for God or against him. But time will tell, right? And But that's yes. also why we have the Holy Spirit for things that are not clearly evident or... Um, is easily recognizable to us. Good job, honey. Is anything else? Yes. Mm -hmm. First, I have a question. What is a sodomite? <laughs> is is it like? Mom, what is a sodomite? <laughs> <laughs> the short version, the simple version is a homosexual male or a male that engages and participates in a homosexual lifestyle. Okay. 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 As you grow and mature, we will, if need be, explain more. Okay? Yes. But that should suffice for, for you for now. All right. Yes. What else, sir? Then the Lord showed me verse 9 where it says... Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And I'll add the other part. Do not be deceived. And that's well, stop. So the Lord showed me that it doesn't matter if you have, your past life has actually one second. Let me add this other part. Verse eleven, where it says, "And such were some of you." But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. So there's two sides to it. Previously to, previously in verse 8, previously in the beginning of chapter 6, Paul was talking about bringing your brother a Bringing a lawsuit against your brother, so the Lord showed that when Paul, when Paul said, "Do not, do you not know that the unrighteous will not be, inherit the kingdom of God?" The Lord showed. Bless you. Oh, Bless you. Thank sir. you. You're welcome. The Lord showed me that when He said unrighteous, He means that whenever you. Commit an act that's contrary to the Lord and you don't repent about it. 
and so the Lord showed me that I believe yes, it was inside of Jeremiah where Jeremiah talked about if a man is dies inside of a sin, then he's not gonna go, if he previously was found to found the Lord, but he dies inside of a sin, he's not going to heaven. It's Ezekiel, so, but yes. As long as Ezekiel, when he spoke it to him, which applies to us today, did what was required of him, which is to speak the word that the Lord had given to speak, right, and share with the person, thus giving them an opportunity to come back into alignment with the Lord, right? Yes. Okay, we'll continue. So Ezekiel said that, and what you can bring it back towards right here where he's talking about unrighteous. If you're living for the Lord before that, but you sin and you don't come back to the Lord, then you're not going to be saved. It doesn't matter what, what you've done previously or how many great acts you've done, you won't go to heaven. Then will it have all been worth it? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Right? Yes. Or to start on the path of righteousness and then turn away and still lose out at the end. Then there's the other part that Ezekiel mentioned, where if a man starts out inside his unrighteousness, but then turns to the Lord before he dies, then he's going to heaven. So mm -hmm. that goes back to verse 11, where it says, where Paul's talking about, but you were, at some of you previously were what he listed inside the previous verses, but when you come under the Lord, you get washed with his blood. Mm -hmm. So... It doesn't, again, it doesn't matter what you've done inside of a previous life. No, well, not no matter how big your sins are, but. There's Explain. one price from Jesus' blood paid for all of them, big mm -hmm. and little sin. So, Jesus is enough to cover everything. Okay. Here's, here's my, I, there, I, I believe Jesus talked about one sin that was unforgivable. Uh-huh, tell That's me what, what that is. Blasphemy. Okay. That's one, the one I was talking about. Everything else is can be forgiven. Well, but specifically, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, right? Yes. It says even blaspheming against the Lord, he will forgive, but not the Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. So finish your thought. And where it also says, where Paul says you're, but you were also justified by, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That, what Paul means by there, it doesn't mean that you that the Lord justified, justified what you were doing before then, but that he forgave them. Uh -huh. But also, it's, it, it leaves you with the choice to leave it. Brother Hagen, I think it was Brother Hagen, he brought up the example of a governor, if he pardoned you from prison, but you never refused to leave the cell and leave the prison, then you're still captive. The governor gave you the key and the way out, but you chose to stay in there, so it's no one else's fault but your fault for not receiving that. Uh -huh. And that's it. Thank you. You're welcome.
Wat? Well, I want to bring James into this. Please do. Like James. <laughs> so uh, James one thirteen. When a person is tempted, they shouldn't say God is tempting me. God can't be tempted by evil, and He doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted by their own evil desires. These desires lead them off and drag them away. When these desires are allowed to remain, they lead to sin. And when sin is allowed to remain and grow, it leads to death. Mm-hmm. And so this is the purpose why we're, ha- why we're looking at, or one of the purposes why we're looking at this um, section here. And um, it's just so easy for people to get hung up in trying to say, you're making one sin bigger than another. And unfortunately, so many people uh, within the body have done that and calling out a certain part of this. But um, this clearly is just talking about sin in general and, and, and that it's just not permissible within us. And James is telling us how it happens. And it all starts with a thought. We've talked about that in previous ones. It starts in the mind. And it's what you do with that. Did you surrender that thought captive to Christ? Mm-hmm. And I, I know if I'm honest with myself with my own sin, I know that when I had that thought, I needed to do something with it, and I didn't. And James shows us what happens when you don't do that. And that's what's going to happen, whatever it is. So if, if you're having a thought, no matter whether it is being greedy or whether it's uh, um, you're a man and you're feeling attracted to another man or a woman feeling attracted to another woman, God's word doesn't line up with any of those. And as far as we need to go, we don't need to place more emphasis on one than the other. We need to equip people to overcome that. And that is surrendering that thought and asking the Holy Spirit to give you revelation about how you're supposed to process that thought and what his truth is for you, and then you're to be obedient to it and move on and don't pick that thought back up. And if it, that enemy gives it to you again, take it right before the cross, put it down again, wait to see what the Holy Spirit's going to tell you. And if you have to do it 100 times, just do it 100 times. But don't move forward with that thought or you're going to end up in the place of sin. And mm-hmm. nobody's going to have an opportunity uh, to stand before God and go, well, that's not the way I understood it. I just couldn't believe you're that kind of a God. So I just chose not to believe that section of Scripture. It ain't going to fly. <laughs> I mean, so you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I hear you guys talk to the kids all the time. Wait a minute. You know what's going on, you know, and, and check what's going on within you. Uh-huh. And, and that's what Paul's doing here. Just any of these things, if you're going in this direction, you have to check that thought. You have to submit it before the Lord through the Holy Spirit and, and deal with it and deal with it then. If you don't, all the other stuff is fruit of that, and there's going to be confusion and doubt and all the other junk that's going to come in. I mean, mm-hmm. there's many places where God just removed his presence from people, and they got caught in their own stupidness because we're incapable of reasoning through what we need to do to have a successful life and a fulfilled life apart from the mind of Christ, and we only get that through the Holy Spirit and submitting to him. And when these thoughts come up, we have to submit them, and then we have to be obedient. Mm-hmm. Well, Amen. Well stated, brother. And I love how you, you looked at that, uh, verses 9 and 10 especially. Yes, we have the tendency to just focus, and many have the tendency to just focus on the one aspect, whether that's sexual immorality, homosexuality, whatever that is, and focus on that one thing. When Paul brings it a full 360 and says, no, 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 that that's sin, but so are all these other things. Mm-hmm. Covetousness and drunkenness and uh, you know stealing, stealing the, the whole thing and it's Storting. i love it because and, and i don't love sin um, what i'm saying is <laughs> i love the fact that because we do the same thing here we bring in a full 360 right it's 
he's addressing the this primary issue, right? So he doesn't lose that train of thought that he's been discussing throughout the entirety of chapter five. He's saying sexual immorality is is horrible, and he's addressing it because it's a prevalent issue, so much so that word of it has spread far beyond Corinth, far beyond just the boundaries of that place, that city, that the area. And so much so that he's even heard about it. So he's addressing that. But then again, he like I said, he brings it a full 360 and just says, this is part of sin. Like these other things it's, it's included in this and just sin, which separates us from the Lord. And I love how you also brought up the fact that if we choose willingly to engage in it, then there are countless examples where the Lord turns people over to that, or which is what he was saying beforehand, and I've turned that one over to the devil so their soul can be redeemed. Right? Like, if that's what you truly want, then the Lord says, okay, you've asked for it, and while we don't want to see that, I have to be okay with your choice, whatever that choice is. Mm-hmm. Uh, my choice, the Lord's choice is, is that he wills that everyone should go to heaven, that none should perish, exactly. But if we choose to perish, then the Lord has to be okay with that choice, and he is. He's like, well, I, I gave you this this choice, but you chose incorrectly. And he brings this up. as Paul's, It's not the only time that Paul addresses this. He addresses it in Romans, um, Romans chapter 1. Uh, I'll begin at verse 28. He, again, brings it full a full spectrum here, right? He says, and even even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. I mean that that first just that first part of that scripture is incredible. It means they already knew what was right to do, but chose to be opposite in their thoughts, as you brought up the mind. So then as a result, if we will, all right, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And then we see all these additional, I'll say, fruits of that that came in as a result of choosing to be in opposition to the Lord. Right? This is in verse 29 of Romans 1. It says, Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, Inventors of evil things, disobedience to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but approve of those who practice them. We see the same thing that he's addressing here in Corinth. He addresses in what we just read in Romans. It's not just one place. Right, we as the body of Christ should, I'll say, be diligent to ensure that we have the mind of Christ, that we are walking in his statutes, because in there they knew. They absolutely knew what was required in the Lord's thoughts and perspectives and and all those there were things that they had been taught. And, and Paul never just said things one time, and that was the end of it. Neither did any of the apostles. They repeated it. Paul says very plainly, for me to repeat it, it's, no, it's not that big a deal. It's a safeguard. Right, it first applies to me, but it's also a safeguard for you. 
right? The teaching first applies to me, he says. Um, but he also says it in Galatians 5, and he says it again in, in Colossians as well. The same, the same things. He's saying, look, these, this is a part of the sin nature on the whole. When we purposely, willfully set out to be in opposition to the Lord, to do the opposite of what he says, these are the things that, that we will experience, that you see being experienced here in Corinthians. Does that make sense to everyone? Yes. Because there's, there's a lot in there. But you see the, the continuation of the connecting of, of all these, uh, I'll say thoughts, but as, as really what the Holy Spirit is revealing to him. So you see the, the order, the flow, the logic, and the, the, I'll say the rationale that, with which Paul is speaking and the wisdom that comes from the Lord that he's speaking and pulling all these things together and repeatedly, I'll say, addressing or hitting the issues so that we can fully understand. Because yes, this is addressed to church in Corinth, but it still applies to us today. Are we willing to do and, and walk in obedience to what the Lord has said in every aspect of our lives, being giving Him His place and His due? Right? Or are we choosing to be in opposition? And, and that's, it's not for you to judge me or me to judge you, right? We should be able to judge sin is what He says, right? We should, that's, that's what the prophet said and taught of or were instructed by the Lord to teach how to separate the holy from the profane. What is being judged is not you, it is the actions, it is sin, if that is in fact what we are willfully doing. Well, there is one component of judging you, and that's doing it yourself. I think that's what Paul... Yes. As you're going through this, I'm thinking, you know, he already said you guys were proud about sin, right? There's something going on here, you guys should have been, you know, sick to your stomach over this, and you were proud of it. So as he's starting to help them understand the depth of sin and he's putting some names to the sin or to some types of sin he's also doing it in such a manner so that get a check on yourself exactly don't let your pride go up don't look at this sin and dismiss all the others because they've already been dismissing sin mm-hmm. right they've already fallen trapped to that so he knows who his audience is so he's reminding them you know if you're doing even the smallest of thing as jesus said if you even think it right it's right. the same as the sin so i think he was really trying to keep them in check so they wouldn't try to puff themselves up, which obviously they had. Exactly. And, well, I'm not doing that, so I must be okay and not paying attention to their own sin, which goes back to the, the thought. He puts it all at the same level. Exactly. Sin is sin. Go ahead, honey. I was just, I was actually thinking about my own life. And, you know, as a believer, I've gone through a phase with God where he's come to me and said, Kamisha, <clears throat> <laughs> there's a problem right here. Um, you know, maybe I was carrying out a behavior or something or the other that I, over time, had blinded myself to the fact that I was doing it because it had been a part of me for so long or I justified it or, you know, or all of the above. And I was doing some things that God wanted me to do and I thought, I'm doing pretty good. But then when he came in, you know, knocked on the door and said, come here, my love, we need to talk about this because... This doesn't reflect me, but also it holds 
Kamisha back from having all that God desires in relationship with Kamisha. And it keeps me from me as in Kamisha from experiencing all the benefit and the blessing that God wants for me and the freedom that it is that I truly desire. And I wondered, you know, I've, I've spoken with God about this in my, my quiet time. And I said, God, if you, am I okay with you telling me that I'm doing something wrong if I'm doing it? And there's a part of me that, um, I, my nature would tend to go towards perfectionism. Like I want to be perfect. I don't like making mistakes. I hate it if I make a mistake. Um, like even as a little kid, if my paper got wrinkled, I would ball the whole thing up and throw it away. If colored out the lines, nope, get rid of it, <laughs> throw it away. Um, but then at the same time, when I did that, it also produced an emotional response in me of feeling saddened because I had to throw it all away and then countered back to a determination. I'm going to do it right. It's got to be perfect. But then that me meant I never really actually moved forward. So I was asking God what I feel like I would crumble if you came and told me things are wrong. Would I be willing to hear that from you? Or would I be afraid that I was going to fall apart if you took it away from me? Because it had always been there. And that just caused me to kind of think about it and go, wait, the truth is, if I don't address these things with my Lord and Savior, I am going to crumble. Mm -hmm. I am going to fall. I don't need the crutch of what my personality was before Jesus Christ. Because much of those things were not things that he added to me. They were things that came as a result of having sin nature, the result of living in a world that's fallen, the result of environment and experiences that weren't good. But I took them and said, well, this is a part of me, so it should always be there. And, you know, I just want us to look at that and, and remember when God says these things aren't befitting for a child of God, don't engage in them. It's not because he's keeping any blessing from you or any good from you. It's because the things that he's telling you not to engage in are not appropriate and will ultimately steal the life, physical and spiritual life out of the person that's engaging in them. And, um, you know, when, when Paul is saying here in verse 12, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. He's talking about just that. In Christ, we were redeemed from the curse. Uh, that's what Galatians 3 tells us. We're redeemed, um, verse 13 Galatians 3 verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So my accepting of Jesus as my Lord and Savior ushered me into a place where the penalty of sin is no longer on me. The weight of sin is no longer on Kamisha to bear the weight of her sins, but it's been put on Jesus. And I took and allowed his blood to be applied to my life. So now I qualify to come in and be and experience that freedom. But I am not to take that freedom and bring myself back into another kind of bondage because whoever I yield my members to, I am that one slave. I am now the, pos the, own, the owned possession of whoever I yield myself to as though to carry out their will. So now, if God is, if we already know, there's you're either for God or you're against, mm -hmm. right? There's, And Jesus said it like this, if they're not against us, they're for us. So like when the, there was a man that was casting out demons that wasn't a part of the disciples, 
specific group, but he still clearly had a relationship with the Lord and God was using him. But there's no third party. There's no neutral ground. Jesus covers that in Revelation when he was talking to John going, you're lukewarm. I wish you were either hot or cold mm -hmm. because lukewarm gets spewed out of God's mouth. Well, that puts you on a category on the not for God side. So when we're, though we have freedom, we are not to again, partake of things that were behind us. We are not again to pick up the things that he delivered us from, because then like you said, promise, we are keeping ourselves in bondage and Christ has made us free. And then that process, if you follow it, yes, you might have started out saved. Well, actually started out in sin and then got saved. But if you return to the sin that was behind you to engage in it, what's the state of that person? Worse than the first. Okay. And he's already described the ones that have tasted the goodness of the Lord and how that works. Mm hmm thank you honey and there's to add to that as it were or to build upon that I love how in verse 11 he addresses that initially prior to the church in Corinth coming to their place of salvation receiving salvation in verse 11, he addresses it. And such were some of you. You participated in these things. You practiced these things, right? Yes. But then he says, but you were washed, mm -hmm. but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. To that... So again, it's not the first time he says it. He says it to the church in Romans. And, and I'll let you look this up on your own, but Romans 8, the first 16 verses. I'm not going to read all that. I'll again read it on your own. But I just want to read the first couple verses. There is now, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Even though you may have participated in those same actions. Turn it over to the Lord. Humble yourself, repent, and you will be set free. Peter says the same thing, right? Or something similar in in Second Peter, chapter one, actually we'll, we'll begin in verse three. He says, because Paul, also, oh sorry, P, yes, Paul, in verse twelve also says about power, right? Not all things are what? What's it say? What? Not all things are lawful. No, it says all things are lawful. Oh but yes, not helpful. But not helpful. Yeah. Instead of helpful, some versions say profitable. Not all things are profitable for you. It may be legal, but does it impact, and I'm negatively impact, your walk with the Lord? That's why he says, I will not be under the power of any. Any of those things that are contrary to the Lord. Peter, in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, says it this way. 
as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to, or which has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence adds to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful, or that is unprofitable, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, both apostles, Peter and Paul, are saying the exact same things. These are the things of the Lord. Pursue them. Remain in them. Don't be in opposition to what you have been taught and shown and the knowledge given to you first and foremost from the Lord, spoken through His Holy Spirit to you, but then also through, as Paul describes himself, spiritual fathers. They're there to teach and to pour into you and to show you the good and right way, not because of what doors they speak, but because they also live out their lives as an example. Faith working with the works. Not one or the other, but both working in harmony, in unity, in agreement. Not contradicting each other. Anyone else have anything they want to share? Or comment on or ask any questions? Well, so I'll, I'll, I'll begin to close with this, and I'll, I'll say it in this way. Again, like we just read in verse 11, if you participate in those things, any of that, turn it over to the Lord. I would encourage you. Turn it over to the Lord. Let's acknowledge that that's sin. And there's only one that can wash all of that away, and that's the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So... I'll say it, we love you. Mm-hmm. And if you have any questions about any of this, please do not hesitate to reach out to contact us. Uh, our email address is adayofprayer at yahoo.com. Mm-hmm. And I just want to add to this as well. It is absolutely possible for us to live a life that is not uh, polluted with sin. Amen. It is absolutely possible for us to live a sinless or sin-free life because we're pursuing Jesus Christ. Have we arrived? No, but we're in pursuit. And all of the writings that you see in the scriptures, um, especially the New Testament and the writings of Paul in particular, he's striving after living a sin-free life. Mm-hmm. And he's gaining ground. He's making progress. And we also have an example of someone who lived a life that was so pleasing to God that God took him. With him. Yes. Enoch. So, since God is not a respecter of persons, that means it's possible. And as you renew your mind, 
based on the word of God. You began to pull up ideology that is not helpful for you, that is not profitable or fruitful to you living the life that God wants for you. As you begin to pluck those things up, put in the truth of God's word. It is possible. Begin to meditate on this. It's possible for me to live a life before God that absolutely glorifies him. It's possible for me to live a life before Jesus Christ that is not riddled and plagued or um, contaminated by sin, but that is a sin-free life. It's possible. And if it was possible for Enoch, if it was possible, these, these apostles were striving towards that. It's possible for me. Doesn't mean we don't need the blood of Jesus. I'm not saying that. But a life that's holy unto God, it's absolutely possible. It can only be done in and through Jesus, working in and through your life. Okay? So let's close on that note. And with that, can I get someone to close out in prayer, please? Um, I can. Okay, Layla. Lord, I just thank you for today and for your goodness, Lord. And I ask that you'll heal those broken places, Lord, and to help us correct those areas that are missing, Lord, and to fill those holes, Lord, and to put us back on the right track, Lord, and to help us fix our eyes on you, Lord, and to come striving and running after you, Lord, and see what it is that you have for us, Lord, to find out what your goodness is, Lord, and how to experience that, Lord. And I just thank you for your mercy and that you sent your only begotten son to die on our behalf, Lord. And you raised him again so that we could be justified, Lord. And that we have an intercessor, intercessor mm-hmm. and a high priest who stands in the, in the gap for us, Lord. Mm-hmm. And makes a case on our behalf, Lord, that stands before you, Lord, and your courts. Um, and that just gives us that access to you, Lord, that brings us that bridge that we can come before you and ask anything of you, Lord, and we are confident that you can do the miraculous and what humans would deem as impossible, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We love you. We are keeping you in prayer diligently, never ceasing to pray for you, because we love you with all the love of Christ's. So God bless you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.